0: The big question is this, how do investors like us who don't have a PhD in finance or millions of dollars to start investing, effectively grow our wealth with equities, bonds, cryptocurrencies, and more in a way that allows not only for short-term gains, but also significant long-term growth while staying true to our core? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Awesome! So this module, we're gonna look at what I learned by Apple stock. We're also gonna look at two massive takeaways that you've gotta learn from this so that you can apply to your own portfolio and make a ton of money for your own investments, which is pretty exciting and really, really fun. So a lot of people know about Apple. It's like super popular, super well-known. And what's cool is they're sort of a tech company, but at the same time, like they actually make products. And products are huge because when you have products, all of a sudden you have something that you can like actually distribute to people, actually physically sell to people and like for some reason like stocks that are only tech stocks that only sell information always have a little bit more skepticism and a lot higher PEs than stocks that like actually sell things even if you're selling like wi-fi routers even if you're just selling like calculators or semiconductors or like a texas instrument like when you actually have a product this can really really quickly and really really drastically up the perceived value of your investments, and more significantly, it can actually make it so that your books have more money. So, like for example, if you look at Apple. Like you'll see that even though their stock looks really, really, really high compared to what it used to be, the PE is only like 25. So it's a pretty like reasonable PE. Like they make a lot of money per share, and obviously they have literally like a 1.4 trillion dollar market cap. So to get to that point, you have to be making. If we just quickly look at these numbers here. 260 billion dollars in revenue per year with about fifty billion dollars in profit a year. I mean it doesn't get much better than making fifty billion dollars a year. That's like like almost I'd say what five billion dollars a month? I mean that's that's pretty it's pretty impressive, right? That's it's a lot of money. And so that was like one of the big things with Apple is like they're just like huge. And when you're huge, like yummy make money. Now, let's start looking at sort of how we got into this investment. this is mostly like a longer term investment. This was not really a technical play at all. It's just based off of this being, you know, a solid company. As so we got in, like, basically what happened was watching the stock, watching the stock, watching the stock. Then they had this really big dip coming. It was like huge. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's phenomenal. Because if you can get in like a short term dip and then like, buy, right? In the long term, if it goes up, you have this like short term drop where you get in, and then long term growth, long term gain afterwards, which works out really, 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 really well. And so that was sort of the play with Apple. apples. We get in, they drop, and then they go up a bunch. And so it worked out really well. They went up um, 60 bucks, so give or take, what, 30, 40%. And really from like this point forward, it all kind of comes down, like at least during this investment time period it was really more of a market play. Like, this was not a very technical play. It was just like a fundamentals play. It was just a market play. And so because of that, like there wasn't much to manage here. And I wasn't really looking at it that actively because there weren't any setups I was trading. It was just a fundamentals play. It was just a market play. Like I probably put a sum total of like two hours of research into this position because I mean, it's Apple, right? Like what are you gonna learn about? Like, like I know what they do, right? And they go up, they go up, they go up. And then something really interesting happens. I stock for, you know, give or take a year, year and a half, two years, something like that. And I say probably about two years into it, something really interesting happened. They had like this huge, huge, huge drop. And I mean, it hit it going up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And then it had this massive drop. And what's interesting is with these investments in the short term, you might have like really harsh downturns. Downturns that might typically make you wanna like get out or sell or, or go crazy. If you're emotional, if you're watching it too closely, if you're too connected to it. I remember I looking at this study, it was actually really interesting, it kind of relates to this. They kind of looked at um, exclusively long-term investors, like no short-term stuff, no swing trades. They were looking exclusively at long-term investors and they found that investors who checked their portfolio like every single day for the long-term investments, we're usually a little bit more paranoid than those who only checked it maybe once a week or once a month. Now for swing trading and obviously for for nine to noon trading, like you have to trade every single day, you have to look at the stocks every single day or you're not gonna be making investments or you're not gonna be making investments for very long anyway. And so obviously that's not feasible with those kinds of swing trades or or obviously any kind of nine to noon trades. But when you have like long-term investments, if you look at it too much, as, and like you're only playing it in off fundamentals, you're only playing it off of like basic, this is a good company, I wanna own this company, and you manage it a little bit too actively, sometimes you can freak yourself out. And sometimes it gives me a good thing, right? Like you can freak yourself out and sell at a high. But sometimes it can also be not so good and you can freak yourself out and sell at a low. And so I was looking at this study, and they talked about something that I honestly never even considered before, but it was, it was really, really interesting. Like this was like, I think it was Columbia University. And they had like this sample size, of like 100 dudes. And they had all of them sort of line up and, and look at their portfolios, and look at how actively they managed their portfolios, and how well their returns were uh, sort of for the past couple of years. I think it was like a 10-year study or something. And then they had them sort of take their hand and put their hand like on a measurement, on a ruler, and they measured sort of the distance between like the pointer finger and the ring finger. On both hands, I think they're about the same on both hands. Um, but they did like the distance from the pointer finger to the ring finger. And they did the same test with like fifty Wall Street traders who like day traded for a living. What they found was that the people who had the most emotional resilience, the people that were able to keep it cool, not freak out, not panic, sell, and able to hold through those tough situations and sort of you know, kind of ignore short term deficiencies in their investments and focus instead on longer term growth. Those are people that had the closest ring fingers and pointer fingers. And what they found is there's a really, 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 really strong connection between and this is gonna sound super weird, I remember I read this the first time, I was like no freaking way. I actually read this in like an article about like dating because it was like about like dominance and confidence. I read this article, I see this study. And, like I've been pouring through like random articles just one night. And I, I found this article I like, got of about uh, a hundred. It was crazy. And, and anyway, so I found this study and basically what they found is that there's a high 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 correlation between the amount of testosterone you're exposed to in the womb, and how close your fingers are. And the closer that your ring finger and your your pointer finger are together, the less testosterone you were exposed to in the womb. So if you have like super, super far apart pointer fingers and ring fingers by like an inch or more, by like a really big amount, then like you were like supposedly exposed to more testosterone in the womb, and you have like more inherent testosterone and what they found is that like all these people that were trading for a living that were like professional investors they had extraordinarily close ring fingers and pointer fingers and that the people who had the closest ring finger to pointer fingers and therefore the lowest amount of inherent testosterone were the ones who actually performed the best which is like Berserk. I, I was like holy crap that's a thing and there was like statistical significance with a large sample size That like the closer together your ring finger and your pointer finger are, like the better you'd be at, like not freaking out about a position and managing your wrist better and actually having long-term growth instead of sort of making slight little errors in the short term now I personally have some pretty damn close Pointer fingers and ring finger. And I don't really understand the testosterone thing cause like I'm pretty sure I'm pretty good at like confidence and stuff. I was like, this is like, what the heck? Now like if you have really far apart like pointed fingers and ring fingers, then please, please, please like, like don't worry about it, like, it's okay. Like you can like overcome this. I 100% believe that you can like learn how to do this stuff no matter how close together your fingers are. But what this shows is, it shows that like a lot of risk management comes down to emotional and personal strategy. It comes down to like your mind and what you're thinking. Now, obviously, like you can learn to do anything. Like you can learn to be amazing at dating if you have far apart ring fingers and middle fingers. Similarly, if you have or, or close close uh, together, or if you have really far apart, you can like learn to be really good at investing. Like if your fingers don't determine your destiny, but they're a little bit of a readout on where you're coming from. And so some of you, you might have invested before and maybe you made an investment, you got in and then you made a bunch of money, you sold and you got out and you did amazing. Some of you, maybe you've had a couple of investments, some of them are winners, some of them are losers. You're kind of like standing in the middle right now, you don't really know what path to go down, you haven't found a consistent, profitable strategy that works over and over and over and over again. Some of you, you might have like really great investing techniques but you don't necessarily have a community mind. You. you, don't necessarily have support, you don't necessarily have what will take you to that next level of scalability. There's a portion of you that might be like absolutely crushing, you're looking for that next level of returns whatever it is you're doing. And I want you to understand that the history you have in financial markets is very important to identify because with this position, I, I think it shows especially, like I got in this, it was like one of our positions, well, 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 I, I don't know, maybe my 150th stock ever. Like my fingers, we're not like metaphorically close. My, I didn't have like, that experience. I didn't have that training. Sort of one of the first like big like overarching marketplaces that I'd made. I mean, you make a marketplace, you need to be careful because it's based off of the market, right? And when you basically it, like investments exclusively on fundamentals, like this was at least at the beginning. Like it, it, it's interesting because you know you're not hundred percent sure what's going to happen. And so with this investment, like what happened was was, was kind of crazy. Within two years of getting in, the stock had gone up a bunch. And then within the span of like four weeks, like a month or so, like the stock crashed and it totally erased all of the gains that I had. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane, this is crazy, what is going on? And I was really emotional, right? I was reacting as if I didn't have control over my emotions, right? As if like my, I I, I don't know how to relate this to the testosterone thing, but like, Think about it in terms of like your mind, right? Think about it in terms of like where you're coming from. If you're coming from a place of scarcity, if you're coming from a place of desperation or need or want or drive, and, and you're really scared of something, or you have like this limited mindset, or you aren't used to having a bunch of money, like that's gonna hurt your returns and it's gonna prevent you from taking advantage of opportunities. And instead of seeing opportunities as opportunities, because the vast majority of what you come across in a day-to-day basis is an opportunity, you're gonna see it as, and that was kind of what happened here, okay? Like, for those of you who don't know, if you kind of zoom out on Apple stock, and you look at, like, its history, like, basically, like, almost every single time, uh, without fail, like, when it gets to this red line here, which is the 200 weekly moving average, it hits the 200 weekly moving average, and it bounces. Similarly, it hits the 200 weekly movie average, and granted 2008 there was a crash, it was a little bit different, but eventually it breaks out and it explodes, and I go back in time, hell, but just so you can see it right here, it hits the 200 weekly movie average, and then it explodes. Similarly, I go back a bunch when they were like super small, I think this is a little bit less predictive just because there was like a huge crash, but so here's our, our dot com crash, that doesn't really count, but they break the 200 movie average and they crush it. Here's kind of pre.com bubble, like I don't know if this counts because like, Apple wasn't an established company back then, but you see they break 200 moving average, they crush it. Right here, they break through 200 moving average, they cross below, they break above it, they explode. They go below it here and they do really badly for a while, but then they go on like this downward wedge, right? They break out of it and they, and they crush it. And so what I wanna focus on here is like the last 10 years of this stuff, because it's, it's, it's kind of more representative of how the company is right now. Hell, I can even put this on a monthly chart to make it easier for you to see. If you look at the monthly 50 moving average, which is gonna be the same as the weekly 200, and you can see every time the stock comes down its moving average, it goes up, it goes up, it goes up. And so it happened again right here, it happened again after I made my investment. But what was scary, what was interesting, is I bought here, then it went up a bunch, then it went down a bunch. And this looks harsh, this is not an easy thing to do. Like, that's a scary investment when you lose like all of your gains in such a short period of time, relatively short. It's like, what are you supposed to do? And for me at time, like I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. And so, here's the here's the crazy thing, okay? I mean, this was such a phenomenal trick. I like couldn't believe it, it's amazing. You've got this thing, green rat, I mean whatever. Like the important thing is it's at the 200 moving average, and like $150. It is like dirty, it's lower than what I bought it for. And I bought it like way, way, long, long, long time ago, right? And then it came all the way back to where I started. And there are two things you can do in this situation. There are two ways you can approach situations. situation. The first way is is when I was silly and when I did was a mistake. You can pout, you can be like, oh my gosh, I lost all my gains. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, oh who's that? It, it's not a effective strategy. Might make you feel better. Probably made me feel better. Didn't make me any more money though. And the second strategy You can stand up, you can turn around, you can look at the investment, and you can say, hey, you know what? Every single time they hit the 200 moving average, they bounce. Similarly, we're in a really hot bull market. Additionally, it's Apple. Maybe I should put my pride in my pocket. I shouldn't really care that much about that money that just kind of flew off the table. Hell, why don't I buy calls, why don't I buy the stock? Like, it's good, like, it's a really good chance to get a bounce. I'll set a stop loss at like 140 or 138 or something, 135, right about here. So if it goes below and it keeps going below, I'll get stopped out. But I'll just buy a stop and I'll risk this much right here and I'll have probably about this much potential gain pretty easily, at least up to this previous high. So it's about a four to one, a five to one, a six to one, a seven to one, underscore ratio. Now, which of those mindsets do you think is gonna do better? Opportunity mindset or scarcity mindset? Pretty obvious right and so that's one sort of the strategies you have to be able to overcome the tendencies that you might have sort of go back and ignore things or go back and push things away that maybe didn't work out really well for you and instead very very quickly embrace them and then what make the investment get in that thing dude you could get like 210 225 calls for like a buck and now they're worth like a hundred I mean maybe it was like five bucks Maybe it was even 10 bucks. Like, it, hell, we can look at the option chain right now, and kind of extrapolate. If they're at 315, that's the same as buying, and obviously a little bit more volatility right now, but let's say you're buying like $30 out of the money for like six month calls or something. I mean, hell, we'll do like seven month calls. This is a long time. Like you're looking at basically an investment of $10 that um, eventually turns into, I don't know, 60, 70. Wait, do you got, 180 to 320-ish, 310 conservatively, 34, okay, so I a four extra terms, Put you put your money. Now, that's a much better position than I originally had. Um, and you don't have to go to options, but like, look at this, right? You've got a MACD crossover, a bi- uh, like, like there's like, this is an amazing investment. And so all you have to do is a lot of people, they start off, and even if you get in late on this, you get in when it crosses on the stochastics, By the way, stochastics and MACD are absolutely phenomenal for big market stocks, big market players uh, like VANGs and big tech stocks, Um, really anything that's going to move sort of alongside the market. MACD and stochastics are like a deadly duo. They're amazing. Like, you've got this cross right here, and you have this cross right here. This is what it focuses on, right here, right? So you have this cross, it crosses the the 20 stochastics level, and it has a cross on the the red line and the black line, and the MACD cross. So even if you didn't get in at the beginning, even if you got in super late right here, like I would say usually four x, five x return. And even if you just buy straight stock, you're making like 80 bucks on a, on a $200 stock. It's like almost 80%. And I've gotten those gains for my initial investment, but I could have like doubled them by adding here, sextupled them by fighting here or something like that. And so that's kind of what you get when you have really strong technicals. Even if you don't get in at the perfect time, you have like this green, red, green setup. You just buy here at the 100 moving average and you're not buying exactly at the bottom. But you need to be able to be like, hey, you know what, I'm gonna have the ability to buy the super, super high, you know, 100 moving hours and have it explode. Really, really basic technical stuff right there from that point forward. Literally every person I know was saying this is like the cheapest apples ever been. You, and, 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 and for me, it was like, I was blinded by that because of emotion. So definitely one of my, uh, like not a bad thing, like I made a bunch of money on this. I definitely left some on the table because of those like limiting internal beliefs. And that you don't want to be wrong. That will really, really hold you back. Like you gotta be accepting. Like I'm, I, I'm totally okay with it now. Like I, I know, like I will be wrong, and that's totally cool. Because all I have to do is be right, like half the time, and I'll make like six times my returns and I risk, and like it just works, right? And that's that's you know, that's technical analysis for you. So that was probably the, the biggest, biggest thing I learned from Apple. And so really, really critical that you're able to overcome that history and at the same time. Um, you're able to kind of look at technicals and be like, look, oh, this is good. Even if, like, I didn't make the right decisions earlier, even if I might have had bad fundamental play earlier, like, I can make a good play now. And that's, uh, truly really all that matters. Looking at it now, I mean, they're pretty freaking high. I'll be honest, I'll probably be in puts, like, the moment that this Mac D crosses right here on the weekly or the monthly. If you look at the monthly, it's a little bit more extended. So, I'd say at this point, it's really a market play. And so, like, the moment the market crash, like, I don't care how many iPhones you make or, how many you know MacBooks or whatever? Like you can do that all day, but uh, you know if the market crashes, then this this stocks are all gonna go down. So you know, I don't know. would have puts on this for like six months. You can get like two three hundred dollars for like fifteen bucks, ten bucks for two nineties. So I mean, if they go to uh, give or take two forty, that's about a five x return a six x return on two nineties on July So well, yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty basic, yeah, you can trade the same stock over and over and over again, at least for swing trades, and, and you can still have <laughs> really, really, really phenomenal returns, just by sort of understanding at a core foundational level, what's going on. So, with that said, thank, thank you so, so, so much. Um, please don't expect like you're just starting out. You have to be like in options and making like 10X returns. Like, the first core principle is being able to predict where the stock's gonna go. The first core principle is being able to correctly say that it's gonna go from 290 to 210. And then be right about that and then make the 70 bucks on that trade times however many shares you short and then sort of getting the more leverage stuff like i didn't trading the options for at least a couple of years after i started but like once you do it, it it's just it's so good it's like straight up like exponential returns because you know what you're doing. so you guys probably put this button for me but i just want to make sure i kind of cleared it up here because we have sort of a normal stock right here you can get like really, 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 really phenomenal returns, like 10 x returns from a stock that only moves a little bit just by being able to actually understand where the prices are gonna go and just by being able to understand like this is a good setup. I'm gonna leverage it and I'm gonna, you know, have more upside and also have more downside, right? And so that's just kind of the principle of options that you have gotta know what you're doing and then when you do know what you're doing, like it's like literally walking into a casino and like counting the cards but you can't get kicked out of Wall Street because, because like, a casino will kick you out if you count the cards. And we're, like, taking all of their money but with Wall Street. It's, it's like, what are they going to do? They're just going to pay you a bunch of money. That's what they're going to do. And it works pretty well. So, with that thank you so, so much. Glad there. Apply. Uh, absolutely crush it. And I will see you in the next module. Thanks. Bye. Hey, this is John. I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode. Now listen, if you want to get more stock market secrets and really understand the fundamentals and advanced techniques of investing straight from a hedge fund manager, then go to 9tonoonsecrets.com and claim your free copy of my bestseller 9 to Noon so that you can go from 0 to 100 in personal finance and master the investing markets.